freedom and censorship can't exist in the same world. And that's true whether it's the government or private corporations who do the censoring. Hi, I'm Ron Coleman, and welcome to the Coleman Nation podcast. It's a show where I sit down with guests to discuss the future of free expression and thought in our interconnected world. Here, we will focus on issues involving social media, cancel culture, and free expression that everybody who cares about ideas or freedom should be wrestling with. Hey, culminators. It's Ron here with Ash Short. We've been following each other on Twitter since, I think it was, I think it's 1948. It's really, one of the cool things about our Twitter relationship is that it seems as if we have followed each other for a very, very long time, but you are only 17 years old. <laughs> and Twitter itself is only what, I'm, you know, 15 years old or something like that. But I mean, it does seem like we go a, a way, way back. We get, like, as I often have this experience doing this podcast is I'm talking to people I have never, you know, who, who I've known for years, but never, had any face-to-face contact with so it's nice to see you and uh thanks for coming on yeah thanks for inviting me on yeah it is such a weird thing to be like oh i know him wait no i don't we've never actually spoken in person but it's like you know this person you've known them for years but you don't really know them it, it is funny i mean they're because some of the people who, who i know that know that way and who i never even necessarily had a zoom talk with the first time we see each other in person we embraced right as, as if we really are you know genuine friends and i you know as i always say when i have this conversation we are that this is a perfect this is a way that people communicate you know when i was growing up uh, you know during the middle ages people used to write each other letters and the letter might take two or three days to get to where it was going could even take a week sometimes and that was considered to be still something of an art i mean obviously we had telephones but letter writing was a thing that's no longer a thing no it simply doesn't exist in our culture anymore what we do have are these little you know this history that you can have interacting with somebody on the internet for all these years and it's you know it, it doesn't necessarily bring people to closeness but they do get to sort of know each other it's true. Well, it's been great having you on, and I want to thank you very much for you know for sharing this moment with me. Yeah, anytime. Okay, but maybe we'll now let's do part two of our show. <laughs> now, the first thing I wanted to do though, before we got into the substance was well, I can't be the first thing because I just did the first thing. But the first thing I had wanted to do before I did the, the first thing that I did do was to thank you for marrying Nick. I guess you're wondering why I want to thank you for marrying Nick. Yes. <laughs> because everyone, including me, knows how to pronounce short. <laughs> yeah. And no one could pronounce scow. Everyone could pronounce it if they heard it. Right. But and if you watch, you know, if, if you watch any of the millions of videos and podcasts or listen to the podcasts that, that you've been on, then they would know. But you can't go wrong on... on, on my head coordination is not going so great here. Uh, can't go wrong with with with, with Nick, and, and it is always also, you know, a, a kind of a social media 
love story is also very heartwarming, especially yeah. in light of what I, how did you guys meet? You might have, might have asked. Well, you, uh, he was liking and retweeting my stuff. And oh, so you, it really was a social media yeah, love story. So I, I, but I didn't like really know who he was, right? He wasn't in DC. So, and he had a bunch of like American flag emojis behind his name. So I was like, okay, this is just like <laughs> one of my followers that has a bunch of emojis in his name and like retweets a bunch of my stuff. Okay, okay. And I'm then, one of those guys. <laughs> right? And then we were at CPAC in 2018 and uh. one of my friends introduced me to him and then we were talking and then like the next day we saw each other again. It's like, hey, I met that guy last night. Okay, like, cool, we'll talk again. And then he was like showing me stuff on Twitter and I was like oh wait you're that guy you're that guy that's been <laughs> me all year like I thought you were just somebody see oh, so that that is a modern courtship ritual then to, to <laughs> yeah. like and retweet the lady that you uh, that you wish to, to court oh very interesting very interesting and now you have a cat it's beautiful yeah we got rascal about three months ago that is you see the American family is growing Okay, Ash, I want to talk to you a little bit. First of all, I try to do a little bit of research, even if I've known you for seven, eight, nine years. Sometimes you don't really know the person at all. Is there any conservative outlet, new media outlets, so I'm gonna count like NRO, where you have not worked or contributed uh, NRO, really. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, they, you know, they've used my my writing as a basis of some of theirs. They've linked to me before, but there, and I guess the Blaze, and actually, really, the Daily Caller. I've I've never written for the Daily Caller either. Um, but yeah, yeah, I do seem to have been everywhere. But it's not like I'm jumping from place to place, you know. Like although when you look back, it's like oh, you've written pretty much everywhere. It feels that way. But you know, I was at heritage for two years and I was at the examiner for three years and then uh you know I've been with the daily wire for over three years now and watchdogs and uh you know I mean we were like was in between that but we we really do know we really are practically related I mean we know all the same people yep. you know and we're and our firm just fired filed some really cool stuff for daily wire as you know uh, which uh we don't want to talk about it just yet. I mean, you and I are not going to talk about it today because by the time anyone sees this, something is going to be different. <laughs> Would you feel comfortable, you think, at Heritage now? Based on what I want to do and what I like doing, I don't, you know, obviously there's not a place for me, but as far as like policy, I mean, they have gotten away from a lot of things that I do care about. Um, but then Heritage Action is where I started and Heritage Action was always that kind of like rebel group within Heritage. So, you the know- crazy Heritage. wild rebel right. group within uh, Heritage. We wouldn't wear ties, oh, <laughs> us rebels. Um, <laughs> but I do know that at least on like some of the education stuff that I care about, Heritage has published people like Casey Johnson, um, and others who have written about it. So as far so as that Casey goes- Casey Johnson, I'm a, such a huge fan. So there's a guy who I've been courting for years <laughs> and he doesn't even know I'm a 
five. I, I, I might have given up following him because it's a certain point where it's a matter of self-respect. But then you try again a few months later. Go, well, he wasn't right. interested in me when I was at seventy-five thousand, but maybe at one hundred fifty thousand, he'll be. It's, which <laughs> is never ever the case. <laughs> Some people don't want to follow people whose whose feeds they don't like. You know what? Sometimes that's the answer. He's it's okay. Very, he's, he's very nice. much focused on his issues, and I so love his stuff. I, yeah. He, I, I'm, and it's such an. I'm, and now we're coming kind of right to the, to the, supposed theme. Of, of of a culmination podcast which is it's, it's you know the universities and you, you have tons of, obviously of of back, background uh, on this are the hothouse of censorious thinking you know when i was growing up universities there was the you know it was the tail end of the free speech movement at berkeley honestly growing up i mean i was very young but universities were associated with the expansion of points of view and intellectual. I, it, what I'm saying is very cliche, but we know from history that universities were actually where Nazism, you know, there, there were people think of it as something that came up from the streets, but a little bit of history reading will tell you, no, there was most members of the SS were professionals, highly educated. Um, did you think when you were doing, you know, focusing on the campus stuff that we would be at this point, what is it, 10 years, seven or eight, eight years later, that where, where the mind, the, the American mind is just completely shut in academia? Well, I think it was already pretty much shut when I started. I mean, I really got into this kind of issue because of Casey Johnson, but in 2014. So while it feels like I've been in it forever, it's really only been about seven years. Um, and yeah, since then, you know, we were out there saying, this is what's happening on campuses. It's gonna bleed into the rest of the country. And it, it did. And, and with the issues that I focus on on campus with not only free speech, but um, sexual assault and the lack of due process, actually started in the military, right? So it's pretty much in America goes military, campus, everybody really? else. Oh, really? Military, yeah. camp, explain, explain. All right, so explain, you mean, is, is that, an, is that a, an order or is that a process? Seems to be process that- So how like, does it feed back from the military onto the campus? I, you, I, I, I don't know how, think, but that's just don't know. seems okay. to be, they focus on military and you can see this with my issue, but um, so people on the, the sexual assault stuff, Kirsten Gillibrand, all of these people that are out there claiming women are just being raped as if it's like the war torn Congo out there, like, you know, campuses are just full of rapists and then women victims actually started with that message in the military and then they moved to campus and so you also see some of the diversity stuff uh really starting uh in the military with like lowering standards to get certain people into the military things like that and then you really see it on campus and then it bleeds into the rest of the place most people don't focus so much on the military because it's very complicated it's a reason why I don't because of the military systems, right? Very complicated, difficult. If you don't know them, you don't know them. It's hard to learn them. 
So, I mean, when you think about, you know, how they handle crimes and everything with JAG or, you know, their own system, very difficult to understand because it's not like college where you can kind of FOIA and get their training or they just straight out put it out there or there's all these lawsuits so you can find these things out. And so that's why I think- Also, you can be disciplined, people, unlike in the civilian world, you can be disciplined without any kind of proceeding at all. In other words, you can, the, the dean can call you in and just yeah. say, listen, I can't, you know, so-and-so down your hallway said that you're giving her a hard time, you know, and well, I'm, there are these low level things that don't even reach the level of, of you know, officialness. But I, I, I'm very intrigued by what you're, so are, would you say then that the leading edge of, of, of critical wokeness, which I equate with censorship, to me, there, there's two sides of the same coin, was the, the, the feminism piece of it, as opposed to the race piece of it? Um, I think the feminism piece actually did come first, right? Because you're seeing feminists having, uh, well, I mean, like maybe there was like decades, right? In the sixties with the race, like there was feminine race and then it was feminism and then it was race. So maybe it's alternating, right? But as far as from what I've seen uh, with campus, you can see that, that feminism and gender, uh, I mean, there was a lot of race stuff. It was all mixed in, but you can see how race is taking over um, and certain gender is taking over or is taking a back seat because it was always women are victims, women are victims, but now you're not allowed to say women anymore. So you can see that in like the abortion argument, right? Where it's like, it's a women's issue. Wait, you can't call them women. It's birthing people or it's, you know, non-prostate yeah. owners or whatever. <laughs> now it's insane so it you know you kind of saw that like it was all women as victims women 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 but now we can't even like yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you even even in the early 80s i remember there was a take back the night march at right. princeton and i didn't even remember them giving me the night i felt that i had been already sort short changed because i was they wanted to take it back and i hadn't even had a chance to use it myself it, it was, but, but I mean, because I so speaking to, to James Lindsay, he'll tell you that the leading edge of this whole thing was the was the was the appeal to to, to racial divide because the communist the, the the international communist movement identified that as a vulnerability in American society and also in American liberalism because of the guilt that American liberals feel. And the amazing thing is. If you think about it, American liberals, many of them are secretly racist, but probably not the majority of them. But it's amazing what you'll hear in some of these candid videos. It's horrifying. Stuff that right. you and I didn't grow up in a million years hearing. But when it comes to treating women like dirt, I, th I you know, there are three groups. I mean, they're regular normal people who happen to be liberal. That's fine. Then there seem to be a very large percentage of, of you know, you hear a lot about celebrities in particular who treat women like absolute dirt absolute dirt and then of course there's the soy boys who are just constantly trying to guess what do women want to hear me say so right. they'll be nice to me right and then it's a the culturally confusing time right there's the men like uh cuomo who are out there saying men are awful women are victims and but believing that nothing they do is wrong but anyone else who does the same thing is absolutely wrong 
do you think so do you think guys like he like him believe that they're not wrong or do you think they know they're wrong but are trying to get a just thinking they're going to get away with it or is it i think cuomo did not know he was doing anything wrong and the same rules he set up for college students he didn't think he was breaking them because when these people talk about you know getting rid of due process believe women they're talking about like these ideas that everyone would assume is rape or sexual assault that like you know she's passed out or being groped on a train. These are examples that they actually use, like strangers or, you know, literally not being awake. Like they use these extreme examples and people are like, yes, absolutely. But in the reality, things like what Cuomo did, where you might like kiss on the cheek and say like, you're doing a good job and put your hand on their shoulder is now sexual assault like sexual or or improper sexual conduct right exactly and like people like him fomented this with their rules that are basically anything a woman believes it make anything that makes a woman uncomfortable is sexual assault right so if a guy thinks it she's been flirting with him he goes in for a kiss she backs away oh my god he tried to force himself on me when it was like it was a mistake you move on like you just had that who was it not kamala harris who uh huma abedin who was like, I was sexually assaulted by a senator. But when she tells her story, it's like, okay, you went up to this guy's apartment. Like he was making you coffee. You guys were talking fine. He sat on the couch next to you, tried to kiss you. You like did not want it. And then he apologized and that was the end of it. Whereas now that's like, I was sexually assaulted. In other words, there's no room for error. Intent doesn't matter. Like if that guy like thought that, you know, like misread signals or something, you know, well, there's no I mean, way for that. It's all evil. It's not, and, and there are these really elaborate um, consent um, Rules. protocols. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in, no especially in, in the academic no one, world. No one in the history of ever has actually followed specifically what would need to be done because as myself and Casey Johnson or Hans Bader have written, these rules are essentially like you have to ask for consent every step of the way, which doesn't sound bad, but. Unless you're trying to actually have a nice time. (laughs) Right, because like no one is like, can I do this? Sure, can I do this back? Sure, yes, can I do this? Because that's like, that doesn't work. And so they say, oh, it can be nonverbal, but you see in all of these allegations that like nonverbal doesn't, isn't acceptable. That's like, yeah, well, she was doing this, like she was kissing me back, she was groping me, so I went ahead, like, nope, that that's not consent. Like literally nothing is consent outside of a yes. But then if she says she was too drunk, then that yes means nothing anyway. I mean, there's just these impossible rules to follow. And these activists make it seem like so black and white and so simple. And then when you see someone, like when it happens to them, like Cuomo, or even, or Joe Biden, like where they're the ones putting out these rules. And then as soon as people are like, you know, you're breaking your own rules, they don't understand it because they don't think they are. They don't think the rules that they've put out are as strict or is about the same conduct that they're engaging in. It's not just that they don't think rules apply to them though, right? I mean, the, these people do tend to Think I'm of themselves sure as of untouchable. Them. Right. And I'm sure there's a lot of that. I'm sure there's some of that. I think a lot of it is honestly like genuinely 
thinking that when we're talking about this stuff, it's very black and white, obvious situations, and that they have not created a world where what Joe Biden does, putting his hands on a little girl's shoulder and like saying something into her ear and her looking weird would be considered uh, harassment or assault or misconduct under his own rules. They, they really don't think so because they think it's so obvious that this is just him trying to like be nice or, or joking around or whatever. And it used to be seen that way, but because again, of people like him, it can't be anymore. Everything I mean, is nefarious. But it's also, I mean, I, I think it's pretty obvious that this stuff is used as political weapons. Absolutely. So 100%. that you've got a picture of, uh, of Donald Trump with his teenage, his then teenage daughter on his lap. And these liberals just love to lasciviously post this picture to suggest that there's something weird about this because we know that his daughter became a very beautiful woman. Yeah. Um, but, and, th- and since he's an enemy, everything he does can be given the worst possible spin and he's, and he's an, an anti-woman guy. Uh, not just because of that, they have their whole formula, I know. Right, right? exactly. But I mean, we have to put aside the Cuomo, we have to not put aside, we have to revisit the Cuomo issue and, and even the Joe Piscopo issue, I think he was just, just kind of a sap uh, for, you know, he, they, they wanted something and he did it. But did you think Cuomo was gonna, in other words, usually we don't hear it about it if it's somebody who's liberal and we do right. hear about it, we, but Cuomo took the fall. Cuomo took the fall. What? And it seemed like it came out like it was kind of building up slowly, but it's like boom over the course of a week, it really yeah. fell apart. There's two things, two things that drove that. Uh, one, right before that happened, people were finally starting to point out the nursing home situation. Right there was, uh, I believe, there was a report right ahead of that saying, you know, that the state didn't report all of the you know, or they, or the books, right? Like he was writing that book and they were trying to get the report changed to revise down the numbers so it wouldn't look bad. Oh, right, you know, the book, Finally, yeah. some mainstream outlets were starting to point that out. Then, boom, sexual misconduct. Because, so he was becoming a liability. Yeah, it's better to make, to, um, make him, you know, take the fall for like, you know, inappropriate touching, right? Because there was never like rape allegations or sexual assault allegations so it was like oh at the most you've got like bad touching right versus murderer right like which one's going to be better two letitia james has ambitions of her own you know i mean if she wants to run for governor you take cuomo out and how do you take cuomo out well one of those two ways was going to hopefully work, but the, but the media is totally fine with him being a murderer, but touch some women. Mm-mm. But he, he was, I have a feeling he was also beginning to turn a corner in focus groups and likability because he's not really very likable. And for a while they were pumping him and he was, he had been made into this sort of hero of the, of COVID. And, and then, as you say, the nursing home stuff was getting more and more traction. And then his bravado and his bullying, and he lost a couple of 
court cases. And, it'd be, you know, th that might have had something to do with it. But I think we're, I've taken you down a rabbit hole on, on this. Once, you know, what, what James and I, when we were talking about censorship and, and um, you know, wokeness as, a, as something that came in through the door of, you know, the natural inclination that an American has not to want to be thought of as racist. Mm -hmm. The word, by the way, used to be bigoted or prejudiced. Um, you know, so th that was a brilliant move from that point of view. The difference between race relations and sex, sex relations is that everyone normal knows males and females. But many, many people ha have very, very little to do with members of other races, especially if they don't live in the city. And I think to a large extent, a lot of people who don't live in the city and a lot of young people whose parents moved out of the city before they grew up or before they were born, they're down with the revolution. They're very big on, I drive to work through Montclair, New Jersey. I, my, my office right now is in Montclair, New Jersey. And in front of all these three, $4 million houses are these BLM signs. Okay, and the only black people going to those signs are, and they're not the help because no, they're, they're, the help is almost all Latino. Maybe, you know, there are not a lot of black people living in these parts of, of, of Montclair. Total virtue signaling. But when it comes to sex relations, people don't have to signal their virtue quite as conspicuously. Right. I mean, everybody has a woman. I keep thinking back of how Comey, James Comey was, you know, his, his public persona and his, and his sleaziness became very obvious very early on. But when, there was a point where just before he really fell off the radar where he just, he was, it was clear he was just being told what to do in his family or he was making it seem as if he was just being told what to do by his daughter and his, and his wife. And it would... It was so off-putting, and I just wonder where, where does when do people stop remembering what normal life is like? Right, and I think one thing that wasn't mentioned, and I don't know um, if James has put this out, but it's definitely like kind of Chris Rufo and some other people's oh, definition the of the with critical race theory, where you know uh, uh, critical race theory things like that are racial Marxism, right? It's it's the right, exact right. same. Uh, theories and everything of Marxism, but with race substituted for class. Why? Because you can't change your race. Like class can be changed in America. Race cannot be. And we learned with Rachel Dolezal, there is no trans race, right? But in America now you can completely change your sex. Yeah. They don't even like you relate really it to change. gender. Yeah. Right. They don't even like keep it to gender. They straight up like you can change your sex. You can become a woman. You are a woman if you say you are a woman. That's all it takes. So today, guess what? I'm a man, guys. Like just there we go. It's all it takes, right? So you can't exactly have some sort of uh, sexualized Marxism because you can just change, you know? You can, you can just change your sex at any moment. But with race, they've really oh. just got this thing. You can't change that. And they won't let you change that. They won't let there be a Rachel Dolezal out there, you know, that, that 
says they're a different race because they feel like it today. They're not allowing that. And so they've just hit that because it's just something that you cannot change. And you can change your class. You can change your sex, gender now. Can't change your race. So speaking of change, you were very, very quick to get up an article that went along the lines of the title, I've lived in New Jersey and I've lived in Virginia. And here's what those elections mean. And with all this nonsense we've been talking about, where there's a very a, a, a culturally dominant set, um, cadre within the country that is talking and, and to a large extent thinking not like normal people did until fairly recently. Did these elections to you, and it's not quite what you said in your article, but do you think to some extent, rather than being a, you know, an angry right-wing outburst of racism, which of course is how the mainstream or the corporate press spins it, would you not agree that normal people, regular, regular people are kind of getting fed up? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you saw that I mean, I, I had written in my article that uh, in 2009, because I lived in New Jersey when Chris Christie was elected, and that was very much an election against the policies of the Obama administration that were coming up, but also uh, the policies against the Democrats at the time. So John Corzine's Corzine-ness, and then in Virginia, you had had Democrats for, for several administrations. So it was kind of both, right? And then when Trump was a president, well, there's not really a, like, blue states can't they're not blue states gonna blue state so being a repudiation of a republican president's not really a thing like they're just going to be like they're blue states so it can only really be a repudiation of a democratic president because they're blue states so we had that again this election but it is slightly different um because so much of this election came from the parents came from uh, the people that are seeing how their children are being treated, how they have been treated. And so Biden signifies and, and en enables all of this Democrat stuff for sure, but it ha is just like a culmination of especially the past 18 months of Democratic leftist bullying that has been going on for decades, the right knows. We all know, we've all experienced it, but because of COVID, the left just went Full crazy, just thought they had total control, total power. People hated Trump. The left can say and do whatever they want. So they did it. So they completely controlled people in blue cities and blue states when it came to COVID. Wear a mask. You can't come in here if you're not vaccinated. You, you don't get to work. You're not essential. You're this, you're that. These kids' schools are closed. Kids have to mask. Kids have to work from home. Then you're going to have to take care of them from home. You can't go to work because you have to watch the kid. So they've caused that. And then, of course, the parents were able to see what the kids were actually learning. They didn't like that. And so they went to fight their school boards and it just snowballed on the left, right? Um, and so it, it was just a big backlash to that kind of bullying. And you can also see that, and uh, I can see that in the exit polls for Virginia, that Glenn Youngkin did better in everywhere than Trump did, as a percentage wise, than Trump did everywhere in the state, even in the Southwest solid red state parts, right? But he also did 
much better than Republicans usually do in the blue areas, right? I mean, in Loudoun County, which is like ground zero for all the school board stuff, he had like 44%, you know, which is huge, right? For a blue yes. area. But then yes. you also break it down even by races because people are trying to say, oh, this is all a racist thing, right? So yes, white men and white women did go much higher for Youngkin than other races. And white women came back to the GOP after going to Democrats last year for Biden. But when you also look down, uh, Youngkin got a higher share of black women than Trump did. And he got about the same share of black men as Trump did. And we also know that Trump did historically well with minority groups for a Republican. And as far as I think Latinos overall, I think uh, Youngkin did better, like I might've won Latinos overall or something, or, or came really, really high percentage of them. I know that it's in the, not even like, yeah, he got big percentages of these groups. It's not like they, he, like if he had gotten lower percentages, then okay, then white people drove him over, but he also got bigger percentages of minority groups. I think I saw something that also suggesting that this is even was even true in college towns in you know districts so. with, with, with a big collegiate vote because if you talk about school boards okay those are young parents people who have kids and you know these days people who have kids in grade school are five to ten years older than they were when I was growing up but they're still rel they're, they're out of school uh do you think there's any chance that in the foreseeable future it will be okay because of this possible trend to be a conservative on a college campus? I think they double down, they make it even worse for anybody. I mean, you saw in their reactions, oh, this is all about racism. We we weren't telling people they were racist and awful enough. We have to do more of that. Now, some people changed their tune. Van Jones ended up choosing, changing his tune, saying that, oh, the left has become annoying and people don't like this. But not most of them, not like the Joy Reads of the world and most of MSNBC and CNN, like they're still on this, like we need to, you know, claim that critical race theory isn't being taught even more despite parents actually coming to these school boards with lessons with videos, with training materials, with curriculum showing, yes, this is what's being taught. And the other thing is that these aren't all white parents doing. There have been black parents, there have been Hispanic parents, Muslim parents who are coming out against this stuff because they don't want their children being taught that you're just a victim of the system and that you like, it's all the white people's talk, like fault. Like they, they don't want their kids being taught that either to be told that you're just a victim and like the only way that you can get any help is if the government gives it to you. I mean, and also the explicitly, the explicitly sexual stuff. Why right. is that? Listen, oh, what if I spot you all the ideology in the world? Why, why would you use up credit equity on putting that stuff in the schools? I mean, the only possible way you can justify that is Oh, well, we're subversives. We're trying to destroy your country. I don't, I don't see any. How do you justify that? How do you justify that? Well, I that? think the justification is that kids have questions. So we are going to like provide this stuff for them. But like one of the books they have. They don't have was, questions about those things. Right. They never even dreamt of those things. Right. Exactly. Because one of those Some books of was, was, you know, an 
overage kid guy with a underage guy, right? Like this is like, okay, this is, this is rape and pedophilia. Okay. Like you're not asking. And then if kids do have questions, I mean, they find it, there's the internet, right? Like the schools don't have to be putting stuff out there. I'll tell you a little secret. Before the internet, we found out answers also. <laughs> this is, I mean, you know, this go, to some extent, this is the sex education debate of the, of the 60s. Right. But it's an even dumber debate now because every kid is on the net. And very, very few of them are, are filtered. Um, it, it's, 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 it's such a gigantic cultural shift. It, it, and it occurred to me while we were talking that I wonder, I think the, the cynical strategic plan, in our last couple of minutes, I want to throw this out. And if you haven't thought about it, I won't make you an answer, but I've always seen the Biden candidacy as a, you know, his getting the nomination was a complete scam. They all folded at the same time. They were rewarded with cabinet positions. But again, I think was the most obvious. It was it was so so staged. It was ridiculous. Guy didn't win a single primary, and we have a we have a a, um, a word in in, in Yiddish Hebrew, a, a golem or a golem, which basically means a zombie. The guy was a zombie. He was put up there to just fill up the seat. He was vice president for Obama, so there's generally kind of a decently good feeling about him. He has, you know, a square enough jaw to be a, a president, and he has hair. And actually, maybe not so much hair. Um, but, and then we'll just do the whole thing from behind the scenes, and it'll be great. And so the, tactically speaking, it turned out to be a, a mistake, because A, they chose the worst possible vice president, which seemed to someone like a great idea at the time. It's turning into a disaster. And number two, He's declining in terms of his cognition way faster than anyone and people with their eyes open thought would happen. But what I'm actually going to say is strategic instead of tactical, which is there's no one really leading the political messaging. In other words, Obama was in no way an overt woke guy, but being a black president gave opened up so much space for this stuff to happen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, who is there in Washington? There, it, there's not, it's not in the White House. It's not Nancy Pelosi. It's not Chuck Schumer. So there's no Democratic leadership, not only in general, but inspiring people and, you know, getting people on, on even on campuses to say, I, I, oh, yeah, let's go. We're having a Biden rally. Come on. That's not happening. Right. right. So, you know, could that have something to do, you think, with the, with, with the election results, too, is that there's a real, a really a, 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 mem a memetic vacuum at the top. There's a symbolic vacuum. You know, there, there isn't leadership for this ideology. There's just all the cadres below doing it, and that might not be enough. Right. And so part of it, and this was my dad's theory, but I also agree with it, was that Biden was elected to not be Trump and to wear a mask on TV was, was pretty much literally it, right? Like it was just so that we wouldn't have the, the madness of Trump. What do you mean he was elected, not selected? He, that's why people voted for him because he right. would give him that feeling of normalness. 
Yes. And yeah, yes. Right. regular, so there, regular, there regular American dad. Right. There was, I mean, because like until COVID, like the economy was doing great, you know, all of these claims that the left had, like Trump is so racist and he's doing these horrible things, like secretly people, <laughs> right. You, either the opposite or secretly, like, you know, if you really drill down into the issue, like the border separations was like, okay, so you want to put the kids in jail too? Oh, you just don't want to put them in jail. Okay. Where do you want to send them? Oh, what to your backyard, to hotels? Like, what do you want to do with these? You just want to let them loose in our, okay. You know, it's like there was no actual plan. He was trying to stop this stuff. He was actually trying to do something versus what we're seeing with Biden on the border, literally just doing nothing, you know, and just doing nothing would not even would be a a great thing because if you just close the door and do nothing, then maybe people will break through. Opening the door wide open is not doing nothing. Right, all right. right. We understand and each that's other. The thing. Yeah, the border patrol people, are just, they're doing their best down there. They're, just, they're overwhelmed, right? So Biden was literally elected to just be there and, and not be Trump. And that's not enough. Not even, yeah, he's not even doing that very well because he's not really there. He's not really there. And thank you for being here. I'm really glad we got together and we had a chance to, to pretty, pretty ourselves up so we could do video. <laughs> and uh, please say hi to Nick for me. Any, any projects, uh, you know, that the gazillions of people watching this, anything interesting coming up that people should look out for? Yeah, I actually have the biggest story of my career, hopefully coming out in a couple weeks uh, about a man that was falsely accused very, very publicly. Let dun, me know. Dun, dun. Let me know. Okay, thanks a lot for culminating. Have a great time. Great day, Thank great you. weekend. And again, say hi to, hi to the fam. Will do. Hey, thank you for listening to the Coleman Nation podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, please rate it five stars and leave a review. For more information, please visit the show's website at coleman-nation.com. That's coleman-nation.com. Or you can visit my blog at likelihoodofconfusion.com. Join us next time on the Coleman Nation podcast and have a great day.